Thanks, Kayla. Well, this morning we are going to be continuing our series, Life Together. We've been reading through the book of Philippians. Uh, reading through is probably an exaggeration. We've been, we've been just starting at the beginning. We're really taking our time with it. Uh, and so I'm excited to announce that this morning we are, if everything goes as planned, we are going to make it all the way to the end of verse 2, um, which I think is pretty good considering we're three weeks in. Uh, and so this morning, I would encourage you to open up your Bibles. We're just going to read verses 1 and 2 together. Those words should be up on the screen, but if you have a Bible in front of you, it's just going to be that much better. Uh, so I encourage you to open that up. And actually, let's, let's read it out loud together. I'm reading from the NIV translation. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, well, as I said, we're going to get all the way through the verse 2 today. Last week we started, we looked at the first word, which was the word grace. And today we're going to be talking about peace and what is significant about this greeting that Paul Gives. Now, in the ancient world, uh, if you wanted to get information to someone, you couldn't send a text, you couldn't call them. Letters was the best technology for that. I mean, the only other way you could talk with someone is you could travel all the way to them, uh, and that took a lot of time. Travel was a little bit slower at that time in the world, no airplanes and uh, no trains, so you had to go and actually either walk or go by ship. And so in order to communicate with people, you would send letters. This meant letter writing in the ancient world was incredibly important, and there was a real art to it. So you would have people who would go to school to train to become letter writers, and there was all sorts of rules and formalities about how you were supposed to write a certain kind of letter depending on who it was to and the context of the letter, what the letter was about. And one of the things that you see essentially in all Roman letters is that they all follow the similar format. It begins with, number one, the person who's writing the letter or the person on whom on behalf the letter is coming from, introducing themselves, telling them who they are. Uh, the second thing that you see in the letter is that they, they will identify who the recipients of the letter is, who the, is receiving the letter. And so, again, if we were to look through the letter of Philippians, we would see Paul following this through, but putting his own special twist on it. As an example, when Paul introduces himself in the part where you would usually see his status, he indicates that he is a slave to Christ. And when Paul speaks to the recipients who are receiving this letter— Usually you would begin by starting with the people of the highest position, the most honorable people, but, but, but for Paul, he begins by going, hey, wait a minute, we're all on a level playing field, and he speaks to all of the Philippians, and he calls them holy ones or saints. Well, then what would happen in a typical letter that you would send out during that time is you would extend a greeting, and it was a pretty generic greeting. Uh, the word that was in Greek that was used was karin. And, and essentially it meant, I mean, hi or blessings or, or whatever. It was pretty generic. Now there's an interesting thing that Paul does because you, he's following the standard through and then he gets to the part where you would typically see his greeting, but Paul changes it up. Instead of using karin, which is the typical greeting you would find, Paul uses another word and actually a cognate, like a, a, a derivative of that same word, and it's the word charis, which means grace. 
Now, grace is an important word for Paul. We've gone into this a little bit more in depth last week, but, but just to kind of skim the surface of it, for Paul, grace is what we have received as, in, as we are invited into relationship with God. Grace is what we receive as we enter into the community, the family of God, and, and grace is, is us being invited in to be a part of God's mission of healing and restoration in the world. And for Paul, this grace, it means the, the reason we have this relationship, the reason we're made a part of this community, and the reason why we're made a part of this mission has nothing to do with us. But it's all a gift that flows out of the generous heart of God. And so Paul takes this greeting, but he turns it on its head, and he says, instead of saying, blessings, hey, how, hi, how are you doing? He, he goes, and he gives it this whole depth of meaning. But, but here's the thing. He isn't done there. Now, as I said before, this particular word or this kind of saying would be very generic in Roman letters. It was a typical way that Roman people would greet one another. Gentile people would greet one another. But then Paul uses a second word in his greeting. He says, grace and peace. Now, peace is not something that the typical Romans would hear in their greetings. It, it's a little bit different phrase. It's not something they would typically use. But, but, but for them, peace, if you were a Jewish person, you go, oh, wait a minute, that's our greeting. Uh, for them, it was the Greek word irene, uh, but that would usually translate into Hebrew as the word shalom. And this was a way that Jewish people would greet one another, and it was a way of essentially talking about God's peace, the peace that God gives and God brings. And this is a holistic kind of peace. It's not just simply this absence of conflict, but rather it's this deep being grounded in a relationship where everything is as it's supposed to be in our various different relationships in the world. Uh, Paul actually uses this word a little bit later in his letter. We'll get to it a little bit more in depth in probably five years. Uh, but in chapter 4, verse 7, he says this, And the peace, the arene, the shalom of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so this peace, this arene, the shalom, is about so much more than your circumstances or the situations you're going through. This is something that goes beyond that. This is about a deep-seated connection and being grounded in your relationship with God and allowing that to flow over and tear down walls between you and other people. Because we've experienced that before, right? I mean, how many of us have had relationships that they're just, they're, there's not a peace there? I mean, maybe we're cordial to each other, we interact fine, uh, but, but there's this tension. There's this, this thing kind of over our shoulder, kind of following us around in that relationship, every interaction with that person. Maybe it, it's when the family gets together and everyone gets together and they talk nice and they laugh, but, but deep down there is this kind of, mm, there's something there and it's not the peace that it's supposed to be. And God speaks about this thing, the shalom, which is about all these relationships being made the way they are supposed to be, without walls, without divisions, without being separated from one another, but being able to be able to experience true openness and intimacy with one another. So Paul's greeting, this, this grace and peace, it's loaded with all sorts of meaning and significance. 
And the thing that I think is so profound about it is that for Paul, this is not just simply some sort of like, ah, this is what I hope you feel. It's not just some nice cordial welcoming with some deep theological significance. But for Paul, this is about what he sees happening within this community. He's taken this Roman, traditional Roman greeting and this traditional Gentile greeting, or sorry, Jewish greeting, and he's brought them together into one greeting. He's taken this one, two distinct cultural greetings and merged them into one. And he is doing this to remind this community, this, this group of Jesus followers, that Jesus has taken these two distinct cultural groups, Gentile and Jewish, and that through the cross and through the resurrection, he has made them one people. Now, one of the problems that we have as we read through the New Testament, and especially as we read through Paul's letters, is that it's, we're, essentially we're getting a correspondence, we're getting a back and forth, but we're only hearing one side of it. And one of the downsides of this is that we can, make, uh, we can assume our questions, our assumptions, our concerns, our issues that we're navigating through our church right now or through our world right now, and assume that those were the same questions and issues that the church was wrestling way back then. And essentially what we need to do if we want to really be faithful to the text, we essentially need to reverse engineer what's going on. Because where we want to start as a community is to ask, wait a minute, what were the concerns, issues, and questions that these first Christians were wrestling with? And if you're to read through the majority of Paul's letters, so much time and energy, so much ink is spilt to address the issue, the division that the church is facing between the Jewish people, Jewish Christians, and the Gentile Christians. And at the very heart of it is they're asking these questions, wait, who is in and who is out? I mean, you can imagine the Jewish Christians, these people have been steeped in being a part of, considered the holy people of God their entire lives. They, they've essentially been doing their best to follow the commandments their entire life. And suddenly there's this new group of people raised in homes that didn't worship the same gods. They worship lots of different gods. Uh, they were involved in all sorts of uh, inappropriate behavior so far outside of what people of God are supposed to be doing. And, and they're, they've been made a part of this one group. They're gathering together to worship. And you can imagine the, Jew, imagine the Jewish Christians just asking, hey, wait a minute, we're supposed to welcome these people in as they are? I mean, you know what these people used to do. In fact, you know what some of them are probably still doing or at least hanging out with people that are doing those things. And then at the same time, you have these Gentile Christians. They've encountered Jesus. They've, they've responded in faith, and they're just full of energy and excitement. And, and they're gathering together, and there's this other group, and they're looking at them, and they just say, these people are stuck up and stuck in their old ways. Do we really need them around? And so Paul speaks into this divided community, this community with all sorts of tension. He gives this greeting to remind them that through Christ, through his grace, he has brought peace. And that they're not two different people going different directions, but actually they're rather one people. I love this the way that Paul puts it in his letter to the Ephesians. He simply says this, Ephesians 2, 14, 15. For he himself is our peace, 
who has made the two groups, Jew and Gentile, one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. And so Paul, he says this word peace over and over again. He says, God is our peace and he has brought peace between these two different people. In fact, he goes so far in verse 15 to say that these old standards, these old categories that have just have controlled you and, and control your mind and, and make you think that you are better than other people because of it. He says that those are done. He says you are now one new humanity. It's, it's almost like this, this restarting project that God has done in Jesus, and he's brought peace to the places where there were hostility before. And so the question, the questions we need to be asking ourselves as the church today is, is where do we find these divisions and hostility creeping up? Where are places in our lives where we think we are better than other people? Where are places that we're trying to decide who's in God's kingdom and who's out of God's kingdom? Who makes the cut? Who doesn't? And Paul, he speaks to the church in Philippi and he speaks to us today and he says, grace and peace. He says, grace, it's all unearned. I mean, you didn't earn your way into this. Doesn't matter if you're Jewish, if you're Gentile. Doesn't matter if you were raised in a Christian home, if you're not. Doesn't matter if you're liberal or conservative. It doesn't matter. It's all grace. And because of that, we are invited into this corporate shared peace. Paul in Ephesians, he talks about how it's been put, the hostility, the hatred, the anger, the tension, it's been put to death by the cross. And in its place, we discover peace. Now, this doesn't mean there isn't difference. And this doesn't mean that there isn't sometimes difficult conversations that need to happen. But that always flows out of a place of genuine love for one another and a place of of humility. It's not because I'm better than you. It flows out of a place. It's because I love you and I want to wrestle out the truth together. So maybe the question we need to end off is, is here. Where are places in your life, relationships with other Christians, where there isn't peace, where there isn't shalom, where are places you're letting, you're not letting God's grace fully infiltrate your heart? Are there people that you think you're better than? Maybe those divisions come along lines of political views. Uh, maybe those divisions come along theological views. Maybe it's because you are a part of this one church and they hurt you and you need to wrestle with that and deal with that uh, because God doesn't want you carrying around that tension with you 
forever. I, I remember this experience I had uh, a number of years ago, uh, just starting out youth ministry, and uh, there was another youth pastor, and he made some decisions and had, did some actions that really messed over my ministry and made life. He was from another church, and he really messed things up for me and made life really difficult for me. And I don't think he was even aware of what he was doing. I think he was so focused on his own ministry. But, but I remember when I would hear him and I just kind of feel angry inside. I felt betrayed. I felt used. I felt uh, like I'd been taken advantage of. And uh, I remember I would hear things about what was going on and I just have this anger and bitterness in my heart towards this other Christian leader. And then I remember I would hear about things that were maybe happening in his church where the numbers were dropping and there was a blow up and something went wrong and uh, not a literal blow up, but like a corporate uh, people just leaving and tension. And I'd have conversations with people and they were coming back to my youth group or my young adults program or, or, or the church I was a part of. And I, I would see that and I'd just be like, and, and like I'd hear them sharing their story about why they'd come back and like inside like outside, I was trying to look like very gracious, and, but inside, I was like doing this little fist pump, you know? And I realized that the, I wasn't allowing God's grace to transform me, and that, 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 that feelings of bitterness and anger and, and delight when I saw things going wrong for this person, that, that was evidence of a, a lack of peace in my life. Maybe there's people, maybe it's a group of people, maybe it's, maybe it's a church or a denomination, maybe it's, uh, maybe it's just other people that you think about, and you, or maybe it's people here at Forest View. And my invitation to you this week is to make peace with them. As we transition to our time of communion, we are reminded that it is through the cross, as Ephesians 2 tells us, uh, that, that's, he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one, has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, and that he came and preached peace to who are far away and peace to those who are near. And through him, we have access to the Father by one spirit, that God's grace brings his peace. And so this morning, uh, I want to invite you to take the bread and to take the drink. And before you take it, to examine your own heart, your own life. Are there places for you where there isn't peace? Are there places where you, you're walking around with a tension, an anger, a hatred, a bitterness towards other people within God's church? Are there people that you think you're better than? And as you take time to reflect, I want you to know that Christ did not come to, to give you those kinds of feelings, but rather wants to take those from you. And maybe this week is the beginning of how do I unpack those? How do I move beyond those? How do I open up my life so I'm not a person with walls around my life, around my heart, and that I would actually reach out to these people? And maybe it's bringing a group of people around you to work through these things together. Let's take some time to be quiet, and I'm going to pray, and then we will share this meal together.